Another issue that is being getting a lot of attention in the West and on social media is the arrest of uh, dual national Iranians. In the mm-hmm. past nine months, the Revolutionary Guards have arrested at least six dual national Iranians, the highest number of Iranians with dual nationality detained at one time in recent years. One of those dual nationals is Professor Homa Hutfar, a Canadian-Iranian national and a prominent anthropology professor who's been in jail since June 6th. Mm-hmm. Her case has been getting international attention. Thousands of academics have signed a petition asking for her release. There is also a very intense and active campaign on social media around her case. It's interesting that Professor Hutfar was not outspoken critic of the Iranian regime. As a matter of fact, she conducted many projects on family planning in Iran, and she wrote academic papers on this issue. Can you tell us more about her case and other similar cases? Tehran's Prosecutor General Abbas Jafar Dolatabadi told Islamic Republic a news agency he named a specified person and he said that this person faces espionage charges after being taken into custody and he also said that he or she is in contact with British intelligence agency. And similar charges have been brought up for Mm -hmm. other binationals who are in prison right now. So tell us more about her case and other similar Mm -hmm. cases. Arrest of dual nationals is taking place in a repressive political context in Iran where the authorities are trying to link all attempts for social and political reform from inside the country to these Western orchestrated or foreign-backed operations from outside the country that try to infiltrate into the country and change people's beliefs and value systems. And the authorities clearly state in their articles on various state-associated news outlets that these attempts at changing people's beliefs and values is in order to facilitate a soft political transition and basically a soft toppling of the system. So Mm -hmm. this is the context or the ideological context in which these arrests are happening. And on every area that we look at from the arrest of dual nationals that have worked on women's rights issues such as Homa Hutfar to the arrest of those who have had links to journalist communities, to those who have had links to the NGO community, we see that the authorities repeat this line that these individuals are somehow responsible for supporting an infiltration project into the country. And the recent discourse on infiltration started after the conclusion of the nuclear deal and the increasing speeches of the Supreme Leader about this supposed threat of an infiltration project. What is concerning to human rights groups is that basically in the name of the supposed security threat, the authorities are targeting individuals simply for exercising their rights to freedom of expression, association, and assembly. So when it comes to the case of Mahmoud we are seeing a very direct assault on those who have used their freedom of expression, including to academic work, to work and document women's rights issues. So Dr. Homa Hutfar was arrested on 6th of June and 
the information that has come to surface as of now shows that her interrogations focus intensely on her academic work on women's rights issues in the Middle East and on feminism. And the authorities have issued a number of statements that uh, clearly say that her work on feminism and women's equality in Muslim countries was aimed at disrupting public order and promoting social-cultural changes that can ultimately pave the ground for a soft overthrow. And it is really appalling that the Iranian authorities are equating Dr. Homa Hutfar's valuable work in mm-hmm. relation to feminism and women's rights with national security offenses. And this just shows the extent to which the authorities are willing to go to crush anyone who challenges state-sanctioned discrimination or other ruling ideologies. In a statement on 24th of June, the Prosecutor General of Tehran stated that Dr. Homahutfar's criminal case is in connection with her entry into fields related to feminism and national security offenses. And the fact that the Prosecutor General put uh, feminism and national security offenses in one line Mm. shows to what extent speaking up for women's rights equality, doing research on gender equality is being criminalized by the authorities. I should just note that Amnesty International has been also very active in the campaign for Dr. Humaud Fai's release and tens of thousands of Amnesty International members and supporters have signed Amnesty International petition that calls for her immediate and unconditional release. And Amnesty International has recognized her as a prisoner of conscience. And she has major health issues as well that is concerning her family and friends. Uh, yes, she has been held in Section 2A of Evin Prison, which is under the control of Revolutionary Guards, without access to her family and lawyer. And her family have said that they have not been able to take her the medication that she needs to take for this specific medical condition that she has. So this raises additional concerns about her safety and well-being while held in extreme isolation in Section 2A of Evans Prison. We are, of course, calling for her unconditional release. She should have not been in prison in the first place. But pending that, she should be allowed regular visits with her family and lawyer and access to medication. And denial of medical care to uh, prisoners and detainees is one of the other areas of concern that Amnesty International has actually issued a report on recently, which shows how political prisoners and prisoners of conscience are being regularly denied medical attention and their lives are being put at risk by the deliberate ignorance and negligence of the Iranian authorities. The other case that I should mention, and this is also getting a lot of attention on social media, is the case of Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe. She's a project coordinator for the Thomson Reuters Foundation, the news agency's Mm -hmm. charitable arm. She was returning to the United Kingdom with her 22-month-old daughter when she was arrested at Tehran's international airport on April 3rd. And she had traveled to Iran on a personal visit to visit her family, as is the case with all of the binationals who are in prison. Why do you think binationals are targeted? Iran has always used or tried to use the arrest and imprisonment of foreign nationals as a bargaining chip. They tried to get something out of it. But why binationals? 
what are they going to get out of arresting and detaining these binationals? The Iranian authorities have not been clear why different individuals of dual nationalities have been arrested in recent uh, months. What we have got are these general statements that link these individuals to foreign-backed projects that aim to infiltrate the political system and, as I mentioned earlier, change the views of the public and facilitate a soft overthrow. And these vague accusations do not really amount to any recognizable criminal charge. There are very serious concerns about the way that individuals get arrested without warrant by security and intelligence bodies held in solitary confinement for weeks or even months without access to their family and lawyer. During this process, they are subjected to interrogations and placed under pressure to confess. And then they are put on trial before revolutionary courts that convict them of national security-related offenses that are not clear and after a very unfair trial. Mm -hmm. So given this context, it is not possible to say why the authorities are targeting these individuals. What we know is that the process is extremely unfair and does not evoke any trust in the fairness of the judicial system. And on a number of cases, like the case of Dr. Homo Hutfar or the case of Jason Rezanian, who was in detention earlier and ultimately released, there is clear evidence that the person has been targeted for their peaceful civil society activists or journalism or academic research. On some other cases, like the case of Nazan Ratcliffe, it is not yet clear what have been the connections that have led to the arrest and uh, detention of the person. But because the whole process is shrouded in secrecy and is grossly unfair, it's on the Iranian authorities to either release the individual, in this case not an in that case, or charge her with an internationally recognizable offense and provide her with access to lawyer throughout the entire judicial process and ensure that the trial that takes place is fair and in compliance with international standards. And given that none of these have happened, then there are serious concerns that the person has been arbitrarily detained and arrested for politically motivated reasons. Recently, Amnesty International released a report on how Iranian authorities have intensified their repression of women's rights activists in the country during the first half of this year. They have carried out a series of harsh interrogations and increasingly liking any collective initiative relating to women's rights to criminal activity. This is one of the findings of the report. Why did you decide to investigate and write a report on this specific issue? Following the arrest and detention of Dr. Homo Hutfar, we realized through our research and contacts inside the country that actually since January 2016, more than a dozen women's rights activists in Tehran had been summoned for interrogations by the Revolutionary Guards, threatened with national security-related charges, and put on their pressure to suspend or close their activities related to women's rights in Iran. So basically Basically, during the same period that Dr. Homo Hutfar was being subjected to long, intensive interrogations, other individuals working on women's rights were experiencing a similar pattern of abuse. 
parallel to that, we saw an increasing number of articles on state-associated media outlets that clearly equated any work on women's rights and feminism to national security-related offenses. This was evident in the statements of the authorities on Dr. Homa Hutfarki, mm-hmm. but we also saw statements that were broader and were linking different women's rights initiatives inside the country to criminal activity or anti-state activity or a soft war on the country's value system. So together, uh, Amnesty International became very alarmed that peaceful activists who seek gender equality are being increasingly framed as enemies of the state and targeted. And this is, of course, shameful and disturbing that instead of addressing Iran's disturbing record on women's rights, the authorities is in fact intensifying and scaling up their repression of women's rights activists. It was in this context that we decided to draw attention to this new assault on uh, women's rights activists. We discovered that since January 2016, two women who have been subjected to interrogation have been put under pressure specifically in relation to two initiatives. One was the campaign to change the masculine face of parliament, which received a lot of public attention in the months leading to Iran's uh, February 2016 parliamentary election. Mm -hmm. This was a campaign to increase the number of poor women's rights candidates in parliament. And it was alarming to hear that this local effort by women's rights activists to simply increase women's participation in Iran's decision-making bodies has been linked to foreign-backed or Western orchestrated projects. And the pressures ultimately led, according to a statement that the campaign issued, final statement that the campaign issued in February, ultimately led the activists to close the campaign and terminate it permanently. Mm-hmm. Another initiative that has been targeted has been a website called The Feminist School that posts articles on women's rights and feminism in Iran. But Raho, that website has been inactive. Yeah, the website has not been updated since February. Yeah. And the information that we have received indicates that it has been as a result of pressure by the interrogators to uh, suspend women's rights activities inside the country. Mm-hmm. And the latest casualty of this new assault on those working on women's rights has been the magazine of Today's Women. Yeah, uh, by Yes, which announced its suspension in uh, July. And again, it seems that these actions are being done in an environment of fear where women's rights activists have felt compelled that they must remain silent for fear of reprisal. And by doing this report, Amnesty International wanted to draw attention to this heightened harassment and intimidation and let the Iranian authorities know that they cannot have the illusion that they can target uh, women's rights activists and mm-hmm. not face condemnation from the international community. So uh, I would assume, Raho, that all of these reports that you publish and all of your findings, you present them or you bring them up with Iranian authorities. Mm-hmm. Is that a correct statement? Yes, Amnesty International shares its concerns with the Iranian authorities through letters and also through sending them copies of its reports. 
in addition, we share our reports with UN bodies that can then use this information along with other information and their own research to send letters of concerns and communications to the Iranian authorities. It seems like post-nuclear deal, it is the foreign ministry that is going to handle Iran human rights dossier in international forums. But we have seen silence from uh, President Rouhani mm-hmm. and his government, and also Foreign Minister Zarif, whenever he has been questioned or asked about Iran's human rights, he basically either deflects it or ignores it. And he famously said that the government has a plan to improve and enhance human rights in the country, as every government should. And I believe this is a quote from him. We have an obligation as a government to our own people to do that. But people who commit crimes, who violate the laws of the country, cannot hide behind being a journalist or being a political activist. People have to observe the law. And in another instance, he said, I think people of Iran who went to the polls to vote for members of parliament only two months ago, he said that in February this year, have shown that at least back home in Iran, they are happier than you are, he said that to a journalist, here looking from a distance. So I hope that you change your glasses and look at Iran again. So he's basically Mm -hmm. either deflecting or he's denying it altogether. So how would a human rights organization such as Amnesty International would hope to bring about some changes or at least get a serious attention to these serious violations of human rights in a country Mm -hmm. like Iran? Amnesty International always tries to seek access to Iran and uh, welcomes communications and dialogue with the different branches of the state in Iran, from the judiciary to the Minister of Justice to other sectors in the state that are responsible for different human rights issues. When it comes to international law, it's the Iranian state as a whole that is responsible for complying with Iran's human rights obligations under the conventions that Iran itself has ratified. So it is not acceptable when, for example, the Minister of Foreign Affairs or other officials of the executive branch say that this is not within our profile. It Mm -hmm. is the judiciary that is responsible because, after all, it's the state as a whole that must comply with its obligations. And it is disturbing that not only the executive branch doesn't take a public stance against these violations, even though the president is responsible for ensuring that the Constitution and the rights ensured in the Constitution are respected, but on numerous instances, as you mentioned correctly, they deny and they endorse uh, the violations that take place. You mentioned the statement of the Minister of Foreign Affairs on Iran not having political prisoners when there are so many cases that Amnesty International and other human rights groups have documented that show how journalists, human rights defenders, trade unionists, women's rights activists, artists, student rights activists, and individuals belonging to religious and minority groups have been targeted for harassment, arbitrary arrest and detention, and long prison sentences. The statements uh, simply fall apart as soon as you draw attention to any of these cases from Nagas Mohammadi, a human rights defender who has been sentenced 16 years in prison yes. for her 
dedication to human rights work, to younger activists like Atena Daimi and Omid Ali Shinas, who have been sentenced to six and ten years and 14 years in prison for their peaceful human rights work. So it is distressing that the Ministry of Foreign Affairs turns a blind eye to these cases and makes a false claim that Iran does not imprison people for their political beliefs or peaceful uh, civil society activities. There is a lot of attention on human rights activists in Iran who are being threatened or who've been detained. But something that gets less attention is the fact that hundreds of labor activists, teachers, refinery workers, and industrial Mm -hmm. workers, they have been arrested also. They have been in jail. There are several trade unionists who are serving long sentences in Iranian prisons. And the charges are usually spreading propaganda against the state and gathering and colluding against national security. And these charges have stemmed from the peaceful trade union activities of these individuals. A latest example that was the subject